0: Hi there, welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson. The show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility, and through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth, or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off-topic. And hey guys, just a quick note that we recorded this podcast before we rebranded our company from iHealth Saunas to found space. So if you hear any references of iHealth Saunas, that's why. Today, I'm sweating it out with Jack LeBrock. Jack is a V8 supercar driver for Tickford Racing Team where he drives the super cheap auto Ford Mustang. In this podcast, we discuss managing heat exhaustion whilst working in a 60-degree environment, how Jack uses infrared sauna for improved sleep and heat acclimatization, dealing with the mental intensity of single-lap qualifying in motorsport, managing a burning foot, how drivers manage the little amount of time they actually get in the car whilst trying to remain at the forefront of performance, and much, much more. And so I give you Jack LeBrock. Jack, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here,
1: man. Yeah, thank you, mate. appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, it's good to finally uh, have a chat to yourself and, um, yeah, see what it's all about.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, Let's kick things off. I'm excited to talk to you because in your profession, you actually are sweating a lot of the time, um, which is different to most people, Uh, so with that being said what's the sweatiest you've ever been?
1: Oh it's probably been many times probably uh, yeah with our races and stuff like that we we get temperatures between sort of 50 and 60 degrees in the actual the cabin temp ourselves so um when we're sitting in there we sort of the maximum time we can do in an enduro event is uh around two and a half hours in the car so uh you're sitting there in that temp, um, have, have a fire layer, um, underneath plus a three layer suit with a helmet and everything else on top. So, um, with those temps sitting there for, for hours on end like that, you, um, yeah, you get out of the car and quite a few times the, the team members have to sit in the car with the load in the truck afterwards and, uh, actually ask us whether we've gone to the toilet in our seat and stuff like that. Cause it's literally just a puddle of sweats in the bottom of the seat. So it's, uh, a little bit nasty. We've got a cool suit to, to help us out, but um, that sort of pumps water around us. our main core more than anything, so it um, runs through a dry, I suppose, like an esky kind of thing with dry ice in it that cools the water down to about seven, eight degrees. Just trying to extract some temp that way. But, um, yeah, with that, it's uh, yeah, it gets quite warm and sweaty very quickly.
0: Is, that, uh, is it always that hot in there regardless of the conditions? No,
1: nah, it's got a lot to do with the, the temperature outside. So um, I think that the rough rule of thumb is around 20-25 degrees on the ambient temp um inside the car so um yeah with that it's yeah it always varies week in week out sometimes we we go to events we don't actually run a cool suit because it would only be 30 35 degrees in the car uh depending on where we are so um but the warm around especially at the start of the year when we we're at bathurst uh was 30 35 degrees so um yeah sitting in there for, for two hours on end it got uh got very warm
0: and so, you've got the, the the dry ice keeping you cool. Does that actually, does, is that significant or is it just kind of like a mild thing?
1: It um it, It's funny. It, it feel like when you first turn it on, when you first get in the car, it's obviously quite warm outside, but you turn it on, you notice it straight away. Like, it, it's quite cool. But um it's funny when, you, when you're actually going in the race and stuff like that, yeah, it's hard to know if it actually is running. I think it's because it, it is purely so much heat around you and it is so warm, it makes it makes it difficult to feel in a way but on the other hand when when it fails which which it can and it has been dry off it's a little bit up and down and it's just water we're not allowed to run glycol or anything like that in it to, to stop it freezing so um yeah when it does freeze up you definitely know about it because the the water itself then sits in the vest um and that itself warms up to your past your body temp and basically almost tries to cook you from the outside so um yeah, it makes it a little bit interesting. So, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's good. Like supercars have got protocols in place. If it's above a certain temperature and your cool suit does fail, to help protect us, I suppose, and, and not cook ourselves. They do, do call us in um, as a safety measure. But, yeah, they they definitely do do a great job. And, um, yeah, it'd be nice if we could do a full body one just to do our legs and head and everything like that as well. But maybe in the future we might work that out.
0: <laughs> yeah, like some, some helmet with some sort of cooling going through it or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. We got we're lucky enough, at least we've got a like forced air that plugs into the back of our helmet and that that air runs through the dry ice box as well, cools the air right down. So um that in itself is uh, probably a big relief. It's probably almost feel, feels better and it's more efficient, I think, than what the body one is. It just keeps your head a bit cooler and yeah, when that um when that goes like last year at Bathurst we had the the helmet air freeze up on us, they got condensation inside the the air tube. Um that froze up, froze over, air stopped going through. And, um, yeah, you definitely notice that. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah.
0: I, I imagine there's some sort of function where the hotter that the brain gets, the, the less efficient it works. Right. And I mean, (laughs) I'm not a racing driver. You're the racing driver. I've been to, I've been to Winton a few times and I've thrashed my car around Winton a number of times. And, and it, it gets hot there. And, when you're going at high speeds, you can talk more to this than I can. I mean, the, the, the decision times and the, the reaction times need to be quick, right? But I know when I'm sitting in a sauna at 65 degrees and someone asks me a question, it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I think so. It's like the brain doesn't work properly, right? So I imagine it'd be important to have that cool air coming in and keeping you at a, at a good level.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. It's, uh, it's very, very different. Like, you know, you know about it when you are cooked and the longer the races go on, you, you do notice yourself, I suppose, struggling to, to concentrate. And with the sport we're in, we're like qualifying at the moment between the top 10 is point two of a second. So, um, to, to make a little mistake, um, run a little bit wide or do something silly, lose yourself half a second. That's going to take you, yeah, five, 10 laps to try and make that up in a race. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, really important to try and manage that heat as best as, uh, best as possible. Um, and like you say, it's, uh, it's interesting when you say you're sitting in the sauna with the temp and stuff. I've started actually doing just sort of Sudoku and stuff like that, little games and stuff. I'm in the sauna just trying to get the brain moving, operating. Um, and I, yeah, I feel like that that helps. And um, yeah, it's actually, actually a pretty cool thing to, to try and get the brain working when you are, I suppose, in that state of um, yeah, being quite warm and sweaty and uh, a little bit uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Danny Kahneman is. Uh, I'm reading this book at the moment, Thinking, Fast and Slow. And I keep talking about it because it's like the thickest book on earth. I feel like I've been reading it for years. But he <laughs> talks about uh, the brain has these two systems: system one, which is like automatic, quick response, and then system two, which is like problem solving. You know, if someone says, "What's 156 times 94?" You really need to like use your brain and, and, and the hotter we get the, the harder that system too is to activate and to really actually like do that problem solving and think and um, it just becomes more challenging because it requires more effort but all the effort's going to surviving in 60 degrees or 55
1: degree heat yeah yeah no 100% yeah especially um in a race situation, it's one of those things that you sort of get to at the end of our races, and yeah, you are, you're cooked. You're, you've been in there for for an hour and a half, and um, yeah, you feel like yeah, my heart rate sort of is, we're averaging between sort of one one forty to 150, 155 the whole time we're in the car as well. and I Purely, I think that's a lot to do with the heat. Um, but yeah, you, you got guys coming at you on fresher tyres, and all you got to pass. them and you got to try and make these decisions to try and get those few more places up up ahead. So um, yeah, the heats. Uh, it's Crazy how it uh, does affect the body and um, yeah, it's actually been pretty cool with sauna actually to, to experiment with a lot of that stuff and uh, yeah, try and get on top of it and also give myself an edge um, over the lot of the other competitors in the sport.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to get into that a little more and see how you're kind of using the sauna to your benefit there. Um, are there other guys on the grid, uh, I, I imagine there's a spectrum of people who don't focus as much on their on their fitness and perhaps do or is it pretty kosher like everyone's got a plan and a strategy to make sure that they're fit for these longer races?
1: Yeah I think it's becoming more and more of a thing these days I suppose people are they put, put motorsport and, and fitness in, in two different categories I don't think you probably need to really be too fit to, to drive a race car but I suppose until you actually get in there experience the g-forces and uh, the heat and um, all that sort of stuff it's um, yeah, you realise that the fitter you can be, the the better it's gonna gonna help you at the the other end of it. And with the field being so close these days, the cars are getting more and more competitive. Every car up and down the is a lot closer in comparison. So every edge we can get over our competitors now is, is a definitely a massive benefit. So um, yeah, we try and I suppose. Everyone in there now take a lot more seriously. There's only 24 seats in the country. There's a lot of young guys coming in as well, trying to, trying to get everyone's seats and and keep stepping up. So, um, yeah, you just got to keep trying to do every, everything you can and yeah, leave no stone unturned.
0: Well, that was you a few years ago. You you were one of the young guys coming up and causing havoc for all the older dudes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, got in there and uh, yeah, it's good. At least we're still here now, so it have got to keep it keep it going as long as possible. And uh, hopefully, these uh, young whippersnappers don't come and take my seat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think they've got some they have some big shoes to fill. Um, how do you go about then managing your 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 fitness over those longer races, like over a Bathurst, where you could be in there for? What, what do you say like 90 minutes you know two hours um in the car 60 degrees because the and maybe even talk a bit more about the concentration involved um I only know from my experience I've, I've got a friend with a, a pretty good quality racing simulator and you go into like eye racing and you think oh yeah I'll just go with this like reasonably low power car and it's hard you know it's actually really hard the concentration required is insane like you can't it's like, don't talk to me, I'm trying, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> So, like, how try. That's right, yeah. So like, how do you kind of manage that and maybe talk a little bit more about the concentration required over such a long period?
1: Yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's um, quite hard for our sport, I suppose. are very different to, I suppose, AFL and tennis, golf, stuff like that, where we, they, everyone can go out and train their profession every single day. Um, for us, we're, we're limited to three test days outside of race meetings every year. Um, and that's purely just a cost thing so um, unfortunately for us we don't get a whole lot of chance to practice our, our skills so we try and find other things uh, to try and keep us uh, keep us sharp to keep us going as you mentioned the, the simulator with I racing it's something that um, I only got the start of last year and it's been a, a really good tool for, for me to use it's uh, you don't know, even notice on that like it's quite difficult to keep concentration on that and um, it's actually probably the closest thing we can get in terms of trying to replicate um our real race car so we don't get the g-forces or anything like that but the muscle memory side of things the braking the steering inputs the all those little bits and pieces that go into driving a race car is very similar on a simulator and um yes yeah, probably even takes more concentration on the simulator because you, you don't have the g forces to feel what the car's doing you're sort of wobbling around trying not to fall off the track and um yeah look look a little bit silly but um yeah with that as well have got a go-kart so um that that does a I suppose that, that feels the, the other aspect of it, trying to speed the, the mind up and keep the brain going from a, a speed point of view, um, feel the g-force and stuff like that. So go-karts, it's very different to drive to, to a normal race car, but in terms of trying to get that closest thing to actually traveling at speed and reflexes and stuff like that, it's probably the, the closest thing we can get to at the moment at a, a reasonable cost, really. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's, it's uh, I suppose, yeah, while we do everything we can outside, away from the track to try and make sure we're sharp to come a race vending because these days as well with with the way it is, they're trying to cut costs, make the, the sessions shorter, put less Ks on the cars. So um, when we get to, to a race vending, we do two half an hour practice sessions and then we're into qualifying and, and racing. So um, yeah, not much time to, to blow the cobwebs out. So to, to try and keep the mind as sharp as possible before each race vending is pretty, pretty crucial for us. Mm.
0: How big of a difference is it between a really high quality simulator and being in the car. Like I mean, like you said, there's obviously you don't have the G forces, you don't have the feel through But But is it is it like eighty percent different? Is it twenty percent different?
1: Um I don't know. I've never really thought about that. It's it's a it's a big step. It's driving a simulator to a race car is very different in in the way that to learn a simulator, I suppose, you've you got to understand the feedback through the steering wheel because they're all force-fed. They give you the feedback through the steering wheel to replicate what the car's doing. So from that side, you've got to learn what, what what feeling you get through the steering wheel and what means to what the actual car is actually doing. So it's a little bit complicated in that way, but it's more, I suppose, the braking, the throttle input, the steering input into the corner it is very similar. Um, it just changes a lot for us on drive, on the simulator, once you're exiting the corner yeah, don't rely on what the car's doing underneath you. It's more what the steering wheel's feedback's giving you into whether the car's sliding or doing anything like that. So, yeah, it's a lot of it's very similar from from a high-end simulator. It gives you some really good feedback. But, um, yeah, it's pretty hard to replicate what we actually do on the real thing, unfortunately. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that more racing drivers uh, don't, or not even drivers, but just in general, like racing teams haven't, and maybe they do, but maybe like it, I feel like that they would invest more in simulators given that, uh, you know, you think about any any other profession, like you said, hey, you want to go and play tennis eight hours a day, <laughs> go and hire a court and get into it, you know, and then it's, it's time spent playing the sport, you know, or in, in, in my world, it's time spent talking about health and wellness. It's time spent running a business and I can do that all day, every day. But then you go to something like racing and like you said, you've got two half-hour practice sessions and then you've got the races. You've got three days outside of that for testing and then that's it. And then you guys are just like kind of high and dry, you know, trying to keep yourself busy, but then trying to perform at the highest level in what is a really difficult profession, like driving a car fast is freaking hard. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right, yeah. I'm surprised that there aren't more ways outside of racing to actually be able to do that. So you can just plug yourself into something for eight hours a day and just, you just end up having more time doing it than your competitors, you know?
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, I it, suppose it comes down to a dollar and cents thing. Like F1's a totally different thing overseas. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions of dollars on their simulators and they actually they employ someone full-time that literally like you say they go sit in their the simulator and they develop setups and stuff so I think to that point they've probably got the resources to do it they um yeah the amount of money they throw around over there but yeah unfortunately I suppose at the level we're out here in Australia is um not quite there but a lot of the teams are I suppose taking it more and more seriously now I think they're starting to realize the benefits in simulators themselves but um yeah, unfortunately, it'd be nice to be able to have a have a spare car. We can go drive around every every second day. I think uh, we would all love that. So <laughs> maybe one day we'll get there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could just see someone driving around a V8 supercar around the roads or something. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you talked about uh, you talked about cost for a second. And I did want to cover that. Like, wh- what is it about racing that's so expensive? Like, wh- why is it such an expensive sport to get into?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, I suppose it's, it just comes down to basically what goes into the cars. So our cars that we drive, if you, you go buy one from a team, for example, or get a team to build your brand new car to take racing, it's around the $600,000 mark um, to, to walk out the door. And then you've got to have all the parts, uh, bits and pieces, and then, yeah, basically running costs to, to keep turning them over. So a rough budget of what the cars are are close to probably – Three, four, five million dollars $4, 5000000 a year depending on how far you want to take it how, how serious but um, yeah it's just a labour like our team it's a, it's a three car team now we run a development car and the, the second tier series I suppose the BFL's AFL as well um, they do a few wild cards here and there but we've roughly got 60, 65 full time staff there as well so yeah um, yeah, it comes down to the labour cost, but just, um, I suppose, to have that edge over everyone else where um, it's a it's a massive team sport. You've, you've got all the engineers, um, so we've got sort of, I think, six, seven, eight engineers up in the workshop working all the time, trying to make the car as fast as possible. Then we've got a group of mechanics in the workshop who are prepping the cars, making sure everything, single thing's got no plane, everything's 100% right, set up well, and then all the way down to sub-assembly, building the gearboxes upright, right, rebuilding anything in anything, the engine shop, the paint room, the panel room, fab room, there's stuff going on everywhere. So it um it just all adds up really quickly and especially, yeah, when you got that many people's uh, wages to pay and stuff like that, it's, um yeah, it just adds up uh, very quickly, unfortunately. You can't just take a, a football down to, to the oval and start kicking around. as a um, massive time and effort goes into the cars.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and just the consumables of everything, right? you're always
0: churning through parts and tyres and
1: yeah, mm. yeah, hundred percent. And that's like the, the engines, for example, like they do about four thousand kilometers before they need a full strip down. You rebuild them, and even that's getting close to six figures just for a rebuild. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a silly little sport sometimes when you think about it. But um, at the same time, we have a lot of fun doing it, and um, yeah, wouldn't change it. So, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. Now, this is one thing
0: I've wanted to know for a long time. You say you're in Quali. All right. Um
1: how how does the qual how does the actually work in supercars at the moment? What's the... It's literally just changed again. So it's uh when we go to Tasmania, it's a it's a different setup again. I don't even know how how it's working, but the system we had been going off was you do um basically start start everyone in the session, and then you'd you drop four cars, so you leave for twenty. Um the next ten minute session you drop another ten cars, and then for the last ten minute session you'd have the ten cars doing their, their final lap. Um to yeah, basically lock out the top ten. So um so it's so with that. Kind of
0: similar to F one in a sense.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Very similar to how they're doing it at the moment. So um similar thing, we're probably a little bit more restrained with tires. So we probably only get you really only get one set of tires per qualifying session. And um so at the moment it makes it it's interesting because last week at Sandown um, when he got through to the final 10 uh, we made it through with one set of tyres in each session so we had a set of new tyres for the final session but I think there was three cars in there who had to use two sets of new tyres in the middle session to do enough time to get to the final one so that sort of compromises them come the, the last session because they lose, you lose about 3, 4 or 5 tenths depending on what circuit you're at to a new tyre to set a tyre done one lap so um yeah, it's interesting. It really, it actually, I really like the, the format. It's, um, it's high pressure, puts a, it's a lot of pressure on us because with a qualifying lap, yeah, you go out, warm the car up, you do one lap and the tires gone, you lose that advantage. So it's pretty difficult. You got to make sure you don't stuff a lap up because if you do that, that's why those guys had to throw another set of tyres out to try and get themselves through to the next stage. So yeah, pretty high pressure, but yeah, very interesting at the same time. So
0: in that 10 minute session, are you really only doing, Warm up lap, hot lap, cool down. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very minimal um, laps in qualifying, and it's like the other part of that is you try and keep as many laps off the tires as possible because the way they are built now, that they're made to, to deg quite a lot. So over a race, they just drop off, and this sort of just a steady, steady drop off a cliff, really. That you're, you're losing time. So um, any any time you can keep off those tires is going to benefit you in the race.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so you're in you're in quali you've you've maybe you've, you've gone through the first stage you're in the second stage now when you're suggesting set up feedback to your to the engineers or whoever it is that makes those changes what what feedback are you actually giving them like is is it just like uh, you know, I'm having a bit of oversteer coming out of turn six or is it more specific than that? Like, let's dial in some more camber. Can we reduce some pressures? Or I don't know, like how specific do you as a driver get?
1: Yeah, it's um, so I think you, you try and build up a good relationship with your engineers so you understand each other's lingo. So we've all got different sayings and different meanings for all sorts of bits and pieces, but yeah, we try and break it down as much as possible and, and to the point where we talk about the car whether it's rolling too much on entry or under rolling, flat sliding from the front or the rear, doing all sorts of weird and wonderful kinds of things. But yeah, it's at that stage we you try and build that relationship with the engineer that you can, like say you can you can pinpoint and say, Right, we need a little bit more camber on the right rear tyre by point two because we can't hold the rear of the car up just enough on entry and bits and pieces like that so it's it gets pretty pretty technical and I suppose for myself I'm still suppose fresh compared to a lot of the other guys who've been in there 10 plus years you, you build and learn every single weekend so every chance we get in the car we do these sessions you learn a lot very quickly so yeah it's, it's kind of cool in a way I'm starting to learn a lot more about the car uh, myself especially being with Tickford now it's my second year with with them and they've been a been a top team they're very professional and do a good job so uh learning heaps but um yeah it's a difficult process as well you just gotta try and understand every little piece of what the car's doing but at the same time when you're you're really qualifying for example you're not worried about what the car's doing too much you're trying to go as fast as possible so half the time you get in after the session you go actually don't remember what I did in that lap I'm not really sure what the car was doing just drove it so yeah that. um yeah, trying, and, trying and to think about it pretty hard, but um, no, it's interesting. Mm. How do you keep yourself
0: calm when you're in the last stage for quali and you've got one hot lap, and you you kind of you've pieced it all together, you've learned all the stuff, you've changed the setup, and now you just need to deliver over a minute and a half or two minutes. Mm. How, do you, how do you kind of find some zen in that moment?
1: Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that. Like, I actually used to struggle a lot with qualifying and um, like just the, the nerves being being a massive thing for me. And I, I actually still get quite nervous the day of going to races. I struggle to eat. So it's a, it's a massive effort for me to try and eat breakfast in the morning. I'm always forcing food down of some sort. Um, but with that, yeah, in the car, like, I used to be, be shocking. I used to sort of almost tense up and, and get the shakes um, going through my leg more than anything and trying to, trying to, press a throttle pedal and a brake pedal when your leg's shaking and stuff like that it's uh, never ideal so uh yeah so we've got we got sports psych and and all that sort of stuff that works with our team and um yeah they've sort of given us all these sorts of um techniques and breathing techniques and bits and pieces to try and calm the body down and i suppose control it more than anything um, it's probably the biggest thing for us just try and understand our body and um if we do get into that i suppose stage of panic or Whatever it might be, getting um, the cortisol levels up too high, bits and pieces, we can try and bring that down and um, manage that as best as we can.
0: Mm. So, are you doing like deep breathing when you're in just before you're about to jump back into the car and those kind of things?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I guess um, it's something I'll try and get always get in the car a little bit earlier and you sort of sit there. And for me to help calm myself down, you just close my eyes and run through a a lap of the track um, with my eyes closed and just, yeah, focus on my breathing and stuff like that. So it's, um, that's probably been the big, biggest thing for me just to try and keep the body calm as possible. But, um, yeah, I don't know whether it's just that, that, that routine in itself helping me get, get past these nerves a little bit more. But, um, yeah, we seem to be making good progress with it, which has been good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is, like, does visualisation play a big role in what you do? Like, is there a lot of visualising the perfect lap and those kind of things?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. For, for, I don't know if it works for everyone, but for myself, I definitely find it it's quite a good thing because uh, we don't get a whole lot of time and like we are talking about before, we get that one lap. So it's almost a practice in a way. You've you got to make sure you hit your mark or 100% the right spot. So you try and visualise exactly where that's going to be um, without overcomplicating it too much because I've been, been there and done that. But um, at the same time, it's just a, yeah, it's a good way for me, I think, to to stay calm, relax and um, yeah, just not overthink it too much um, once we actually get out and track, so it just come, becomes a little bit more natural.
0: Mm, yeah, I like that, it's a, it's a balance. Sometimes we go too far down one route and like just too close to it, you know, it's like sometimes you just need to relinquish and let it go and it'll be alright.
1: Yeah, right. yeah, no, 100% for sure, so it's a, it's a massive mind game this sport, I'm learning more and more as the, the years go on, so um, yeah, it's very interesting.
0: Um, you touched on earlier that uh, you've been using infrared sauna as a way to acclimatize today. Tell me a little bit more about that and just general other f- things you do outside of racing to help with your fitness.
1: Uh yeah, sauna's uh, been really good for me. Actually, I've been like I haven't been able to use it the last four weeks. I had, had burns at Bathurst at the start of the year on my foot, so um haven't been able to get back in it, unfortunately. But what did um, you do to your foot? I, I missed that. Uh yeah, so um in the off-season, stuff I had a few little changes with our, our fan system in the car, and um, down there, our footwell—me being, being six-two, being quite tall—I um, my foot at full throttle is basically on the on the firewall, um, which is a lot of heat coming off the engine, the headers, the brakes, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, first race on Saturday got quite warm, um, quite uncomfortable. Um, then, yeah, Saturday night blistered up. Um, had to go racing again on Sunday. Basically cooked it again for another hour and a half, and um, to the point where the, the doctor on on circuit came around after the race and had to pull the bandage off it because I sort of couldn't feel much under my foot. It was kind of probably pretty bad, and ripped all the skin off with it, and it turned out uh, to had third degree burns on the bottom of my foot, and um, still still recovering from it. So it's uh, yeah, it's good. At least I'm not on crutches anymore. I've given up, throwing those away, I wasn't wasn't a huge fan, but um, yeah, it was an interesting time. <laughs>
0: That's crazy. So like over the whole bottom of your foot or like
1: on the ball of your foot like i do yeah more just on that so the outside of my foot so the more i suppose under your three outside toes along that sort of um under that bone structure there so and sort of wrapped around the side up towards my my little pinky toe around the side there so um yeah it's probably i don't know probably two and a half or two 50 cent pieces sort of in um in size that i lost all the skin up so yeah, it was uh it was an interesting time. <laughs> that's
0: legit. So you've been avoiding the sauna then to let that heal.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's almost there now, it's just a little bit underneath my foot that's um yeah, most well almost healed over now. So, um yeah, it's just been a long process. I've Had the this fancy weird silver dressing all over it and um yeah, it's been, been a fun time changing that. But no, it's almost there now. It's uh, getting getting a lot better. I'm just uh, looking forward to getting out and going running and doing all that sort of stuff again. It's been a bit bit uh bit slack on the cardio front. <laughs>
0: Is, uh, is running
1: usually part of your routine? Yeah, yeah. So I try to do a little bit of running in there just uh, purely because it's it's a good thing. Like a lot of the guys from our team, um, they do, do a bit of running as well, the mechanics and team manager and stuff like that, and even the other drivers. So it's just a, I suppose it's nice to have, have a bit of legs underneath us um, to to go running from sort of a casual front. I'm not a huge fan of running, but um, I usually prefer to go riding and stuff like that. It's probably my more main, main source of uh, the cardio I do and, the hit training and stuff like that. So um yeah, tried to do a little bit of running here and there though so that I don't get flogged next time I go running with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> um what sort of hit training do you do?
0: What's that, sorry? What sort of uh, hit training do you do? Uh
1: the main thing, so um lucky enough my partner, she um she manages a couple of uh body fit training studios. So um yeah, I usually just just head down there and do those sorts of sessions, um, which is which is quite good. So it's all the sorts of I suppose the bike, assault bike, um, ropes, and all sorts of random bits and pieces. So yeah, she usually plans it out for me because she's a sport scientist itself. So um, she usually puts the program for us and got a gym downstairs as well, which is which is nice. So um, yeah, just, I don't know. She usually throws all sorts of stuff at me and uh, we go have a bit of fun with it.
0: Body fits hard, man. Like there's a cardio me. Uh, session where you have to like get your heart rate into certain. You know, that's just like, that's just hard
1: work, man. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's no, torture itself, isn't it? It's nasty. You know, keep pushing you harder and harder. That's <laughs> probably good. Like, everyone else there is uh, going pretty hard, so you feel like you have to as well. It's kind of good.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, how how hot do you have the sauna when you have been
1: uh, so I mean, what was, um uh, most of the time, because I was, I was trying to use it for, for sleep, I find I always get massive benefits with my sleep, um, it's just something where I measure it all, I suppose through the woof, and, um, I suppose it's good, good feedback on where that's at as well, but, um, a lot of the time at the end of the day, myself and my partner would go down there and just have a, yeah, 20, 25, 30 minute sauna at probably, 45, 50 degrees and just sit there and just I suppose more enjoy it um, and that's sort of more just to switch off and every time I seem, seem to do that we notice massive results through the walk and how we feel and the next day as well but um, yeah when I get close to the race I usually ramp it up a little bit more probably 60, uh, 65 just try and I suppose, shock the body a little bit get it get it used to the heat and um, it's, it's funny like I don't know if it's just in my head that I feel like it it, it helps me um, acclimatise the heat in the in the car, but I feel feel much better for it when I'm actually in the car at the end of those weekends as well. I don't feel like the the heat's taking as much out of me. So um, yeah, that's uh, been a big benefit for myself. Yeah,
0: yeah, spot on. I, there's a couple of things I want to touch on there. One, uh, the way that you use it for sleep is is perfect, and a lot of times people fall into a... Uh, they make a the mistake of wanting to use the sauna for sleep, but they still feel like they need to go really hot. And so they'll add it at like 65 degrees and then they'll go jump in bed and wonder why they can't go to sleep because <laughs> their body's still still cooking. Um, so that's great. And yeah, just in terms of like heat acclimatization, like 100% the sauna helps. It's, that's not in your head. We had a uh, a, a triathlete, um, Stuart Harsley, using our sauna and – he was using it because he was training for Kona, like the big yeah. um, world triathlon series. And what he found was that over time, uh, he was using the sauna at maximum temperature, so 70 degrees. He would be in there for 90 minutes and he put a training bike in the sauna. So then he was on the bike at 70 degrees for this time. He was, he was fit. And <laughs> Um, what he found was over time, uh, his heart rate was lower and lower and lower doing the same session. So even though he was in there at 70 degrees for 90 minutes, initially his heart rate was like 160, but then over time it was like 150, 140, and his body acclimatized. Um, it's to do with the plasma volume of the blood and its ability to carry oxygen. Um, yeah, yeah. We get used to the temperature, so um, yeah keep doing that. Uh, you know, the, the hotter you can use it, the longer you can use it, the more your body will get used to it. Um, so then you'll be in Bathurst, you'll be in, uh, in the car for, you know, 97 minutes and you'll just be like, yeah,
1: that's not <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be great get out of the car feeling brand new, it'd be perfect. So, yeah, no, it's really good. Actually, I noticed that and it was, I didn't know about 100% because be, we changed cars so it was one car to another different team so I don't know how the cooling was year on year but, um, Adelaide back in 2019, um, was a very hot race over at the Clipsall 500, it used to be called. Um, and my average heart rate there was, was close to 160 for that 250k race. And remember my first race with uh, the team last year in 2020, uh, different car, but yeah, it was sort of, um, low 140s. And, um, yeah, during that time, we did a lot of time and, infrared saunas and um yeah I think it made a massive difference to myself and it's interesting you say that about the heart rate as well with um yeah so it's cool definitely keep doing it I think so mm.
0: and um you mentioned the work how do you kind of use the work and and, and kind of integrate what it says into your life is it has it has it influenced uh you know any any changes based on what you've learned
1: yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, I've been wearing it for a few years now. Um, and it's been really good, I suppose. it's The biggest thing I've probably learned out of it is, is off the back of training and, I suppose, the food and my diet and stuff like that. I've uh, come from a plate, like, probably the last couple of years. My diet probably hasn't been the best at times. I doing enjoy my pizza and stuff like that here and there. So, um, But from that, it's amazing how much what you do during your day affects how your body sleeps at night, um, even if you, you don't train that day um, and you just have a, have a bad dinner or a glass of wine or something like that, how much it takes you, your body to to calm down and come back um, under, I suppose, in that resting heart rate uh, when you do sleep. So, um, yeah, I've, I've loved every moment of that. And it's, uh, it's funny, I've got my partner onto it now. She she uses one all the time. And um, yeah, we sort of live by them at the moment. Mm. Yeah,
0: I, it's, it's a really great thing. I don't have one, but um, uh, Bruce, who you've met, he's, he's got one. And- show me all about it and it's it's just it's actually super handy having that data you know um i didn't i had a sleep tracker it was probably two years ago now and i was tracking my sleep the different stages i wanted to know how long i was in light sleep deep sleep REM sleep and uh and through tracking my sleep for a period of like six nine months um i really learned that my sleep cycles were like just shy of two hours and when I when I then based that as to when I should sleep and when I should uh, when I should wake up based on how long my sleep cycles were, I was always waking up at the end of a light sleep cycle, so I was kind of energized. I wasn't waking up feeling lethargic, and like I learned a lot through that process. and And the whoop just takes that to the next level, you know. And you can see, like, uh, oh, I had two glasses of wine that night. Yeah, my recovery was crap the following day.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I suppose you kind of uh, you half expect some of it, I suppose, but it's, I suppose it backs it up with the, the data behind it and definitely makes you think about it a little bit more, especially, uh, yeah, when you have that glass of wine with dinner and, and stuff like that, it makes you think about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it makes me think about as well how it, it just shows how sensitive our body is to all of these little things that we do, you know, even just a coffee in the morning, a glass of wine at night we don't sleep as well, wake up the next, you know, like it all has this flow on effect. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It it makes me think of uh, Nico Rosberg. uh, When he won the Formula One World Championship, he was like so dedicated. He was doing everything he could. I think he had, I think he even had like a sleep scientist working with him and he was doing like ice bars and cryo and he was doing everything physiologically that he could do to be able to be at the highest level. Mm. You know? and, and I yeah, think that really says something about uh, about racing, but just about uh, health in general. You know, I'm everyone knows I'm obviously super passionate about helping people with their health. And, you know, I've seen in my life that whenever we improve our, our, our health, it allows us to just do better in whatever it is that we do. In your case, you know, you've been using the sauna a bit, you know, maybe it sounds like that perhaps will help with those hotter, racing sessions uh but in any sense if, if we're at a high level of health we can think more clearly we can take better action in what it is we're doing throughout the day uh we can be more conscious of how, how we do it uh yeah i i think regardless of the profession it's it's really important to be looking after our body as best we can even if our body has nothing to do with what we're doing you know maybe we're consulting on logistics or something <laughs> i don't know yeah. but i think right. it's still important <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, Every, everything out there has got, got a purpose. So, um, yeah, I'm an um, advocate for it. So, uh, yeah, it's been really good. Mm, yeah, cool. Um, how do you keep yourself, uh,
0: I guess, we talked a little bit about earlier, but how do you keep yourself... Uh, sharp and on ball, on the ball when you're in the off season and when you're not racing. I mean, you must have some sort of itch to drive a car fast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, for us, I suppose at the end of each season, it's, uh, it's pretty full on during the year. So, we always had that little bit of time off, but getting back into it, it's, um, I suppose, the biggest thing that I found worked for me this past off season has probably been the go kart. I was probably trying to get in that twice a week. Um, and that's more just to, to get the brain. Speed speeding up, so um, even to the point, like if I'm mountain biking helps me with that, you're sort of still the same thing, you're dodging trees, doing all sorts of silly stuff, trying not to hurt yourself. But um, yeah, it's probably about as close as we can get without actually getting in a race car ourselves. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing to, to try where and get. You, us up the where do you go, know, go karting? Uh, so it's track flow, I think there's 18 circuits in Victoria, so um, there's stuff all over the place. I've just joined a A circuit up in uh seymour eastern lions car club up there so um it's a yeah awesome circuit i used to love racing there when i was a a little tucker so um yeah so i'd get back out there it's only an hour up the road and um yeah it's always a bit of fun my uncle's just got himself a go-kart as well now so we're going to go out there and run into each other and um have a bit of fun with it as well
0: yeah cool that's nice um you mentioned mountain biking uh I just got into mountain bike riding the last few months and yep. frothed, <laughs> like I didn't realize how much of a flow state you get into. Um, yeah, what bike do you have, where do you go? Oh, uh, yeah, tell me more.
1: Uh, yeah, so just, um, actually the, the guys down at, down at Trek uh, have looked after us with the bike, which has been really cool. So, um, yeah, probably all the gear and no idea. Really, I'm uh, pretty average on the bike. I reckon at the best of times, so I get scared of the big jumps and try not hurt myself more than anything. So um, okay. yeah, I've got actually. I'm not far from, from Plenty Gorge where I am, so I fire out there and got Listerfield Lake, um, which is somewhere I grew up um, near. So always fire out there for a bit of a pedal. So uh, yeah, definitely plenty of places around. But um, yeah, I love it. It's a it's always good fun. Gets the adrenaline going as well and got to make sure I don't don't have a shunt, like I don't know if you would have seen with, with Shane Van Giz. Um Had no, a big crash. Yeah, had a big crash about three or four weeks ago and broke his collarbone and and four ribs. And, um, yeah, he went out at, at Sandown and, and still cleaned up one or three races. So um, I'm thinking going into Tassie, I might go have a shunt and maybe break break collarbone as well. It might, go, might give me a bit of speed, I think. So I don't know if it's the best idea, but you never know. You seem to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> what um. What
0: differentiates the best of the best V8 supercar drivers from the rest? Um, you know, like the, the absolute legends. What, what what were they doing that the others aren't doing?
1: Uh good question. I'd um I'd love to know. So, uh yeah, for myself, I suppose we're we're still at the the beginning, and um, yeah, we, we won a race last year, but I'll turn that into multiples. So. Um, Yeah, if I can work out exactly what those guys are doing, um, yeah, I'd love to learn it. But I suppose for myself, that's why we try and leave no stone unturned, just do as much uh, work away from the track. And I think that's becoming more and more clear um, to a lot of other young guys coming in as well now, just from a fitness side of things, from um, everyone using sports cycles, becoming a massive thing for for most drivers up and down pit lane. Everyone's realising how much of a mental game it is. Um, to to uh, working with your team is building those relationships. That's a massive thing that we do with Tickford. We have a lot of, I suppose, team bonding time, and um, being away last year on the road for four months was probably really good for that as a whole team. Um, everyone, yeah, got along really well, and um, yeah, just built those relationships up, which I think is a massive part of it. Because um, yeah, they. They prep the car, do probably 80% of the work and, and get us to uh, make, a, make a fast car and we're just got to get there and drive it um, to the best of our ability. So um, yeah, I suppose there's probably many, many things that I'll probably still learn along the way, but um, yeah, still trying to figure it all out. <laughs> you're very humble,
0: mate. I mean, you, you're kicking goals. And making, yeah. And it, it's interesting because I mean, you said there's two tenths separating <laughs> the, t- the last 10 in quality. I mean, that's, that's nothing you know, yeah, yeah, there must be some so, opportunity there to do something different, you know?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's crazy. It's Especially Tasmania, the next circuit we're going to, that's probably the, the closest circuit on the, on the calendar. I think, um, the whole field was spread by like eight tenths of a second. Um, a couple of years ago, we went there, so it doesn't take much to, to be out at the, um, I suppose the front pack and, um, there's some, some really good drivers out there who are, who are doing amazing jobs. So, um, Yeah, just trying to find those those little little one percenters, and um, yeah, just trying to add them all up because every little part counts at the moment. So
0: yeah, yeah, one
1: hundred percent.
0: Where do you see uh, V8 supercars going in the future? How do you see the sport evolving and the cars changing?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think uh, at the moment there's a lot of talk about the the Gen Three coming in for for next year, so a new chassis and. basically try and bring in the, the a new style of Mustang, um, as well as the the Camaro, um, which would be, be quite interesting, it'd be cool to see. So I suppose, yeah, every category in the world um in motorsports evolving um, quite rapidly. And there's even um e racing, it's sorry, electric racing out there now in Formula E and there's even got the there's actually sedans with Jaguars, I think, um over in Europe somewhere now doing it all. And there's uh June buggy starting up this year as well that electric. So don't know whether we'll quite get that far here in Australia. I think it's um, going to try and keep the, the V8 in it, the sound, and um, yeah, keep keep that side of things because it's uh, what appeals to a lot of the fans. It's uh, makes some pretty cool racing, and yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting. I don't no, don't know. It's uh, I suppose the way the world's evolving. It's been tapping feels like it's such a such a quick rate, so it'd be uh, pretty cool. I suppose to see whether our sport is even in five ten years time. Mm, yeah, I from my experience watching the V8s is actually. It's actually a really good racing
0: category to watch <laughs> because yeah, so yeah. much of it is on the on, on the driver, and there's actually some really good racing. From my experience, it's not so much strategy and a lot of that kind of more less exciting stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good part about our category. We've got the Gahars to a point now that everything is so close, the 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 field spread by by not much at all, and it's that's quite quite cool in itself because you look at some categories overseas as sort of Formula 1, the sort of qualifying can be over three, four seconds apart and um, we're, we're within a second. So it makes the racing, I suppose, at times quite interesting with tyre digging and all that sort of stuff, but um, really spices it up and everyone's, uh, I suppose, with the way our cars are made and built, they're quite strong so you can get into each other a little bit and rub rub some panels and... Uh, try not to do too much damage for the boys back in the pits, but um, yeah, from that point of view, it's always nice to try and put on a good show for for everyone back at home as well. And uh, yeah, just make sure we're having fun doing it. So yeah, we just got to keep that that aspect going and provide some good racing. Mm. Do you, do you think that, uh,
0: that the supercars will ever introduce hybrid technology or is that just
1: way down the track? Um, They've actually been, they've been talking about it. It's, um, it's just whether I suppose it comes in for next year or not um, I suppose they're, they're not 100% sure on, on where they're going to get to with that um, I'm sure it's probably going to happen eventually everywhere is going that way with some way shape or form so um, yeah there's definitely been talk of it Have you driven any electric cars? No, nah, I haven't No, nah. I've actually I've sat in the seat of a, a Tesla before one of those crazy ones that do 0 to 100 in 1.8 k's or something but um yeah, it just feels like you're on a, on a roller coaster and how it hooks up. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never been in one. I, I'm curious to give it a go.
1: Yeah, it literally feels like, don't know, it doesn't feel real because It's just silent. You just sort of it feels like you're just getting dragged along and you're thrown back in the seat. But yeah, like that, those things like, yeah, 1.8 seconds to 100Ks is, is crazy. Like our cars, we're, we're doing low threes um, and yeah. We get smoked by, by electric Tesla so it's uh it's pretty interesting <laughs>
0: yeah I'll
1: a little uh I go to Bruno Trophy and
0: uh I thought that was quick that does it in like six seconds <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just nothing <laughs> um what are you driving at the moment uh what we well, got at the moment so uh yeah just get a car through the team and everything like that so I uh, had a had a Mustang there for a little while which is a bit of fun but um yeah just just choose fuel and uh yeah, myself being as tall as I am, don't really fit in the thing too well. It's a little bit uncomfortable. So I just got the old, the old ute now, gets from A to B. So, uh, yeah, she's working wonders.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Um, well, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you've got some other commitments to get to. Um, did you have any questions for me?
1: Uh, no, I think we've been, been over a lot. It's been, all, uh, it's been really good. It's, uh, it's cool to hear some of your, the insights into what some of the athletes have found and um, with the heat training and stuff like that. It's, uh, so it's, it's cool for me to, to know I'm not the, the only one I feel like I'm getting the benefit from it. and um, Yeah, it's interesting to, to see where, where I get to it and hopefully uh, I can get a little bit more out of it for sure.
0: Yeah, man, when you can get back into it, just uh, crank it up. Not in the evenings, but in the mornings. Get hot, see how long you can last. Jump That's out, right. jump in the cold shower if you can.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Lovely. I'll give it a go. Awesome. Nice.
0: <laughs> well, uh, nice. so, so Taz is off now. So when are you racing next?
1: Uh, so just uh, two and a half weeks from now. So it's been pushed back one week. Um, and that was more just to, I think, give the, the Queensland teams enough time to, I suppose, clear themselves of any quarantine and stuff like that they need to do. Because I think a lot of them have from Queensland have made made the dash over the border to um, to New South Wales so yeah she'll be interested to see how it all plays out it's uh, probably always going to happen this year with the events being moved here there and everywhere but um, yeah fingers crossed we can get back into a rhythm now and um, yeah keep racing
0: well uh, by the time this podcast comes out I think it'll be just after that race has been completed so yeah uh Let's send some energy forward and backwards to hope that you uh, have some good success
1: down there. Yeah. Perfect. We, uh yeah, hope we can have a couple of wins. It'll be pretty nice. Uh, it's always nice to be down there. So fingers crossed. It's a, yeah, good weekend.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess we should say well done on last weekend. Good, uh, <laughs> good podium finish. That was great. Um, yeah. No, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute joy and, um, people want to find out more about you uh,
1: or they want to follow you or, or watch you race they do uh yes yeah, so i've got the got the website um set up there but yeah also probably best place probably through the social medias on instagram facebook and and stuff like that got the the pages set up there and um yeah plenty of content flowing through so yeah what's your instagram but, name? uh just my name jack LeBrock. so um and same with uh with facebook so Oh pretty simple. Start with a CQ, not a K at the end. So, um, yeah, many people get that wrong, but that's all right. Happens all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it'll, they can look at the title of the episode. They'll see it
1: there. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Nah, awesome.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, man.
1: Yeah, no right, Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, mate. If you're enjoying the podcast,
0: please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.